Welcome back to Uncorked, another podcast brought to you by Team Corker. Today I have a multifaceted human being on the pod. Marika is known to be a celebrity and personal chef. She is a kundalini yoga teacher. She has become a friend who I admire for all of her ands. And when I thought of having someone on the pod who really captures our essence of your ands matter, I really thought of Marika. I'm going to save any other of my thoughts for the pod because I think she just shares them all so, so well. I hope you enjoy this. And most of all, I hope you're inspired to go and explore the different buckets of your beautiful self as well. Well, Marika Paprika, otherwise known as the newly, uh, newly throned Mimi, welcome to the pod. I am so stoked to record this conversation with you. Oh, so am I. I was thrilled when you asked me, so... Always nice to have a conversation with you. (laughs) Well, I think um, you hit new levels of friendship when friends get nicknames. And in the same vein, I think we, it's also pretty special that, you know, we, we knew you as Marika Paprika on the gram. And what I love is that the conversation I wanted to have with you today was about all the other and in your life. Um, Yet before we dive in there, I need to pause and ask you the most important first question, which is however you like to identify yourself, whatever name, pronoun, and all the rest, will you please introduce yourself and tell us who you are in 2023 right now? Um, Marika Risho is my formal name, and um, I am she, her. And uh, gosh, I am... I'm lots of things in like a job, like I'm a chef, I'm a counselor, uh, I'm a kundalini yoga teacher, I'm like a human being navigating this whole thing that we're in. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's more. I'll like poke and prod because we have a workshop coming up in January of 2024 that I also want to plug and uncover. And I just think it's so powerful to release old versions of ourselves to come into new versions. And you have done that so well in this lifetime. And so I wonder if we start there, wherever on the journey, um, what was the first step to becoming the version you are today that you want to share with us? Gosh, um, I mean, the first thing as you asked that popped right into my head was acceptance. Hmm. So um, I've been, I think, for the past 15 years, a real seeker. And um, that, I think, led to my yoga practice. It led to me reading a lot of spiritual texts and, you know, trying to find out who I am, counseling, therapy, all these modalities, like, who am I? And I think for a long time, like so many people, I was trying to fix myself. I was trying to get rid of who I am, like... There was parts, of course, I liked, and then there was parts I was like, no bueno. <laughs> and I feel like in the last year and a half, it's really been an acceptance. And like, it doesn't mean I necessarily love those parts, but it's like, okay, that is a part of me. And how can I just bring some tenderness and some compassion to that? Mm-hmm. So that's been like the biggest I feel like transformation (laughs) and incarnation is just like dealing with the shadows and trying to repress them does Mm -hmm. not work 
and I have tried that um, many times. So, <laughs> yes, when you say repress them, I just think of the sun and the clouds, and I'm like, the sun gets through every time. Do not let the light in you not shine; it will come through the clouds. Amen. Uh, I have to ask about your yoga practice and that journey. Um, when did you find Kundalini, and what has your own Kundalini? you know, practice meant for you, if you're up for sharing that? Yeah, definitely. So I think I started following um, another type of yoga, like probably, gosh, like 2008, 2009, even maybe earlier than that, more like vinyasa. So I did that for a number of years. And it almost felt like, oh, this is this is what I do. I live on the West Coast. I do yoga. Not really connecting so much. I mean, there was parts of the practice I really enjoyed, but I felt like there was a disconnect and, you know, some performative stuff, some comparison stuff. And when I found Kundalini yoga, um, what I loved about it was the practice for a lot of it. You keep your eyes closed. So you're really not looking at other people. You're not looking at yourself so much. And to be honest, it was the feeling I had afterwards, like all the breath work and just the, the what you go through in kundalini yoga either you love it or you hate it and at the end I just felt oh my gosh I really was in my body there like I was feeling something and I got addicted to that feeling I was just like I want more I think 2017 2017 mm. yeah I think it's so powerful we had a recent guest on the pod and he posed the question that he wants to know what makes people come alive and we focus so much on this notion of like, what is our purpose? And he said, what if we instead asked a question of like, what makes you come alive? And the reason I ask you about Kundalini is because it is such an introspective experience or practice. And yet you've gone on to now be a teacher and you're in the practice at 6 a.m. Like a, like a good Kundo, as I like to say, a good Kundo queen. And I say that with all respect for the the lineage and the, the gurus. And it is a, like out of body experience to breathe with you and to shout with you and to squat for seven minutes with you. And so how did you take it? And, and this is the perfect segue into all things, Marika, where it's like, oh, I discovered this and now I teach this. And now it's become part of your daily ritual and, and offering really Zoom 6am, jump on it. So tell me about that because then I want to go into how that same pattern repeats in other areas of your life? Gosh, I think, yeah, I really like this question. And I think, you know, what I've noticed about my particular uh, character or personality is that when I find something I really enjoy, I love, I just want to share it with other people. I get super enthusiastic. It could be like a meal I ate, you know, a song I just listened to, or a kundalini class. So I think that's really how I express myself in the world. I love this, or I'm really passionate about this. Let me tell you about it. Oh, magic. Well, we'll make sure there's a link so you can join Marika at 6 a.m. every 30 days. It's off. And this is like committed, like I've never seen committed. And I think it's also powerful as this pod is coming out in the fall and the mornings are dark. Like you start in the dark, you finish in the dark. And that is, is no joke. I think there's something really powerful about community coming together. So it's like, you're there. It might be dark. You can light a candle and like everyone shows up and that's pretty special. I'm hitting the pause button on this sweet episode to tell you about something that you might like. 
our newsletter. We call it The Corkboard. It has all things juicy, whether you are looking to keep in touch between episodes or find out more about our coaching, development, or hot new jobs that we're working on. The link is in our show notes. Your inbox is sacred and your time is too. So now let's get back to the episode. Let's go after 6 a.m. in your life. Like what comes next? And you know, you shared that you're a chef. What does that look like? What was that? Let's start here. What was the journey like for you to becoming a chef? And then I want to know about the life, day in the life of a chef. <laughs> oh, wow. I feel like my day in the life is very different from a lot of other chefs, but. Um... <laughs> Which is beautiful because yeah. it shows us that not every title, every box, every and has to be the same. You can be a chef your way. How cool is that? Yeah, that's so true. And I feel really blessed in that, um, and that I have been able to forge a path that is super non-traditional. Because if I had thought of it in the context of that box of like chef, restaurant, this many hours a day, or these these are the only parameters you can do this in, I would have never done this work because it, nothing in that aligned for me. So yeah, my journey to being a chef, gosh, I'm going to try and condense this down. But basically, um, yeah, I went to an underground restaurant, a secret supper club in Buenos Aires in 2010. And basically, if some people don't know, a secret supper club is when somebody opens up their home and kind of puts on a dinner party and strangers can come, friends can come, word of mouth. And then there's like, and in this experience, I realized, oh, this is what I want to do. I loved putting on dinner parties. I loved sharing food with people, interacting with people. As they ate and of course like in the traditional model of being a chef that didn't look like it would be possible and when I experienced this I was like oh that's what I'm gonna do and I came back to Vancouver and about a year later I was doing that out of my home and I did that for about seven eight years it was like brunches out of my home dinner parties out of my home and it was amazing and when that ended I transitioned into more doing like personal private chef stuff. So going to other people's homes, putting on dinner parties, and now like a ton of retreats. I do a lot of retreats. So yeah. Mm. I, I am inspired. I'm clearly inspired by you. And I'm inspired by your ability to think outside of the box or create outside of the box in the way that is so aligned to you. And in this wild market right now, I think it comes up often um, you know, I might want to do X and then therefore we think it has to look and feel and quack a certain way. And what you're saying is like, it doesn't, it can go from brunches to dinners. I mean, I have to just plug that you hosted my dad's 60th birthday party and like wackadoodle crazy ants came over. And I, you know, I saw it from the lens of these brunches and then was like wait maybe my dad's birthday dinner can be here and now I just love that we're friends and we get to work together it's it's so fun and what a journey um that plug aside for folks that are out looking for work it's a reminder it can come in many different ways and to know the value that you want to contribute and then dress it up let it quack the way it works for you so as a yogi and doing retreats, what is that experience like? Because I say quack, it, the reason is like, it feels like yogis are so calm on the surface. And then the chef is like paddling like crazy underwater. So here you are at retreats and it's not quite the yoga experience at retreats. Um, 
And yet I think we don't necessarily appreciate all that goes into it. So can you give us like the underwater view of being a chef on retreat? Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, I just had to laugh because I feel like a lot of yogis, it's like, you know, that, what is that? There's that, you know, image of like the iceberg where you see like just the tip above the water. And then there's like the huge ice iceberg yes. underneath. I feel like yogis, I think we want to, we, we aspire to be calm and all these things, but underneath we're all just trying to like deal with our neuroses. So I want you to consider like if you're in a restaurant that has it's like structure, but when you're on retreat, like it also has structure. And so what does that mean for like how much prep you do beforehand versus like, what do you do during the time? And then like, what is it like managing cooking? And, you know, maybe there's a practice going on and like all of those pieces that people might not consider. For myself, like the pros and cons. So cooking for a retreat requires a lot of prep. And that's like in the shopping and planning the meals beforehand. Because often you're going to a place that might have limited resources as far as grocery stores. I mean, I used to cook at a heli lodge that was like in the remote mountains. So, you know, you really have to like know what you're buying ahead of time. So there's like a lot of that. There's also just the transportation of all the stuff to a retreat. Like, if you know me, I don't travel without my Vitamix. So <laughs> there's a lot of things that have to come with me. And I'd say that's probably the most tiring part is the um, loading up the car, buying all the stuff then unloading. And then once I'm at the retreat, um, what I really love about retreats is that I get to interact with so many new people and I get to meet mm. all and people that are on retreats for the most part, I would say are really grateful. They're, um, they're really, you know, they're happy to be there. They're on a, a vacation of sorts and um, they're really open. They, they're, they want to talk to you, which is really nice for me because a lot of the time I'm in the kitchen alone and it's more solitary. So on retreats, I really get to meet people and interact and have that part of me filled up that part that, mm. um, yeah, likes to socialize and, and yeah, it's busy. So I think, you know, certain retreats, depending on, you know, where I'm going, what I'm doing, I'll try and do more prep. So maybe I can enjoy the location more and interact mm. with the people more. And other times I, you know what, I'm just going to be working more. It's going to be that kind of deal. So, mm. so yeah, it's a mix, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Mixed bag. How do you restore? Like, what is it like? Cause it's so full on. And I, I wish I could ask this question to so many other chefs. Like, how do you take care of yourself? Well, I like to sleep. A lot. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm really, I think I'm, I've got a good work-life balance. Um, so I just know that like, I take, I take time off. I go to bed early. Um, yeah, I don't really have like the workaholism. Sometimes I would say almost like, oh, maybe I should be working more, but I don't have the guilt of like taking time off and resting so yeah after like I've done a retreat I typically will have like a at least a few days off and just you know read books Netflix um oh, massages massages oh, yes yeah. massages get one yeah definitely oh. reflexology it's... on the feet 
Oh, yes. Yes. That's what's needed. Okay. So then the other, and you shared is the world of being a counselor. Mm-hmm. And what is that journey for you? And where, where are you at in that practice and that, in that, and of your world? Yeah. So, um, about two and a half, no, three years ago now, I decided to do a counseling course. I've always um, gotten so much out of therapy and really wanted to share that with mm. other people. Here's um, your sharing. Look at you. I found something. I'm going to share it. Exactly. <laughs> um, my friends, you know, I had friends saying, you know, they, they came to me for advice and I was helpful. So I think that was really motivating as well to, to see, okay, maybe I have something here to offer. And so I did a course and that was over the course of COVID. So I finished and I started counseling and then I had a pretty tough year just over a year ago. I actually took a pause. Yeah. I, I think, you know, a lot of people in the mental health industry or, you know, that work in mental health often negate their own. And I was going through a tough time and I thought, Actually, I'm not a help to anyone right now. So mm-hmm. put a pause on it. And I've just come back to it now where I feel like much more resourced and ready to see clients again. So, so yeah, I mean, my, my path to counseling came from my own um, desire to help people, obviously. And then from getting so much out of it myself, like mm-hmm. it's helped me enormously over the years. So so powerful. It's so I just think of you and I think of how nourishing you are as a human being, like all of these facets and places in life, you're just nourishing us. And I think nourishing can sound so like I want it to feel like this cozy blanket. And yet I'm like, sister, if you take a Kundalini class with Marika, you will feel so sweaty and it might take an hour before you feel nourished. Yet it does. I mean, to get that oxygen going through your body in that way, it's an incredibly nourishing practice. And then to be fed by you is is a gift and really to open up, you know, be it our brain or our heart in a counseling capacity with you um, feels like the other end of the the spectrum, the opposite of Kundalini, uh, a much softer pillow to land on. Um, now I, it feels like there's an opportunity for you that you're sharing with the world. So we're going to share it here of what this means for your very first own retreat, where there will be aspects of all of you. And if I could name the retreat, it would be Marika, the ands of Marika, because you will get all of you at this. And it's so exciting. I'm so pumped for you. And I'm, I'm hoping that you will share that with us. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, So I am hosting. So I've done like a lot of retreats, obviously cooked for a lot of retreats. I've also co-hosted retreats with other people. So this is my first solo retreat that I'm doing on my own uh, without anyone else uh, co-facilitating. Although Carolyn Budgel will be teaching a class. (laughs) And yeah, I'm just, I'm really excited uh, around the theme, especially, which is change. And when I mean change, I really mean like the uncertainty when we're moving through something Mm -hmm. and maybe it feels like we're stuck or it's not going as fast as we hoped it would. And originally I thought around menopause because I went through this about a year ago. I'm still in perimenopause, but I went through a real like challenging time with it. And 
after that, of course, I'm like, I need to educate women. I need to help people. Oh my God, people are lost. And um, they don't know that a lot of these symptoms could be coming from this. And so that was my original idea. And then as I thought about it more, you know, I feel like whether it's menopause or it's uh, motherhood, it's a divorce, heartbreak, death, illness, all the things, they're the same, they're same, same, but different, you know, and it's going through something typically that we really don't want to be going through. It's super challenging. It brings up a lot of emotions and typically, you know, we're human beings. We don't want to, we don't want to be in the sucky stuff. It doesn't feel good, but if there's anything I've learned, it's that also we like, there's a time where we're just going to have to be in the sucky like in the, are we allowed to swear here? Yeah, you swear. <laughs> in the shit, like we're just going to be yeah. in the shit. And, you know, in so many aspects of my life, I've noticed recently is when they're just, when you can bring an acceptance to it, it doesn't mean like, oh, uh, like I'm just okay with this and I never, I never want it to change. But when there's an acceptance to it, it just takes away this tension of like, resistance when we're resisting what is it's it just it's like a double whammy on something that's already uncomfortable and I get it like even being okay with the fact that we're not okay like you know that's just mm -hmm. part of it yeah isn't the line what we resist persists <laughs> for a reason yeah 100 yeah. percent yeah, yeah. Uh, so well, um, of the retreat yeah I love it. The, the, the essence of the, like the certainty of change um, yes. and <laughs> the certainty of change. Brad Stelberg released a new book uh, or released a book recently about change. And one of the lines in it that really hit me was that we typically go through 30 pretty significant life-changing moments, except the kicker is that we accept 10 of them. We think we'll have like 10 major moments and the reality is most lives go through 30. So even when you are explaining change, you know, be it menopause, be it relationship and heartbreak and grief and job change or job loss, like that's three or four. Imagine a list of 30 or maybe you get your heart broken four times and maybe you change your job five times, then all of a sudden the list starts to grow. And so we're not only navigating the, the pieces you said once, we're, we're sometimes navigating those things many times over in this beautiful experience on earth school. So I think it's so beautiful to have a community and a gathering where it change is accepted. And that might mean that it's dark. It might mean that it's cozy or comforting. It might be louder chants in Kundo uh, on purpose because all of these places to release or to gather just hopefully help us navigate change. And that is that. Exactly. And I mean, this is the, the thing I find that's so healing for anybody mm -hmm. that's moved through stuff is that, you know, we have people that listen to us and understand us and aren't trying to fix it or, you know, um, deny our experience that are just there to listen and support us. And maybe, you know, somebody has gone through something really similar and they can, you know, be that ear to, to mm -hmm. lean on. 
yeah. So I think that's a huge piece is that community and knowing you're not alone. Like it's bad enough when we're going through something hard. And then if you're like by yourself, it just feels so lonely and isolating. Yeah. So beautiful. Um, I just want to reiterate what you just said back on the power of not fixing a person. Uh, I just read Chris Carr's book. I'm not a morning person. And she riffs in that about people are not meant to be fixed. People are not projects. And that feels very external. Uh, And yet I think to where we started this conversation, the beautiful piece you shared on not needing to fix yourself, like we are not a project and how beautiful to surrender, to accept that version of us right now and wherever we are on the change spectrum. Um, You know, if you're in a place of change, that's super positive, it's still fun to be in that place with other people. Mm. Um, Change doesn't only have to be dark. Who do you want on the recreation of, of what's next? That's a pretty fun place to be with people too. Totally. Yeah. I, I really agree with that is that, yeah, like Mm -hmm. there's, I remember when I was starting like my bird's nest, my underground restaurant, like, I mean, the excitement, of course, there was a lot of fear with that as well, but just like the, wow, the momentum and like, like this, this is something I I love and I'm going to get to do it. I'm going to get to share it. And yeah, it felt, felt like, I think, you know, when you're first in a relationship or you've met somebody you have a really big crush on and they kind of like you back and you're just like, where is this going to (laughs) go? Yes. The possibility, the potential. Oh, I love it. Well, I I want to riff on one more piece before we close. And um, that is inspiration. And specifically, I'm really curious about where you go or who you go to for inspiration in any way, shape or form. And I'm asking the question because I think it's really cool to ask you the question. And also because I think for listeners, it's always inspiring to know, like, where, where can I go be a little bit more curious in my life? And what, what could that look like? And um, sometimes hearing where other people explore can, can stoke some inspiration for other people's fire. So question one is like, the inspiration factor for you, where do you go? So many places. Um, gosh, I, I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts and a lot of, um, I love to hear people's stories, mm. you know? So yes. it could be anybody from like a Rick Rubin to, yeah. uh, gosh, like a Tara Brock or, you know, like a mm. mixed bag, like a musician, um, I just love hearing people's stories and how they get inspiration. So I often will get inspiration from other people's inspiration and learning. I love to learn, especially about the mind, you know, like Mm -hmm. how we, why we're like this, you know, it's so fascinating. So Yeah. yeah, like psychology books. I'm, I'm really into, I love documentaries. I get a lot of inspiration from different documentaries and then like, gosh, everything from, you know, like being out with my friends and having conversations to walking in nature, going on a hike, like all the things, eating a good meal, uh, doing a really good fitness class. (laughs) It could, yeah, it's all over. All over. Oh, I love it. Um, I'm curious if you were to think, I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions. They're not prepared. I just, I I just need to rapid fire with 
Marika. Um, your favorite person to follow on Instagram. Oh, oh gosh. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's like overwhelmed because I have other so I know. I really, oh, every time that I read this, I, you know, we can do hard things. Um, Glenn and Doyle Melton. I really love everything that they, I mean, I listen to the podcast, but often when they write on their Instagram, it always resonates. Um, Andrea Gibson, who's a poet as well. Oh, She's yes. amazing. Yes. Um, Gosh, I mean, I do love Rick Rubin. I feel like I've had yes. a crush on him for years. Like everybody's having the Rick Rubin moment. I'm like, I knew him like five years ago. It really <laughs> You know, when you, when you discovered somebody like a band and you're like, oh, I've been into Rick Rubin forever. <laughs> okay, we're not going to go here really on this podcast. This could be an outtake or a part two, but literally Rick Rubin is your father. So you are in love with your father oh, and dear that God. does not surprise me at all. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay. I want to know the last best, when you close your eyes and you think about the last meal that like you can still taste on the tip of your tongue that you absolutely loved, what was it and where was it? Could it be a snack? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I have to say there's a really yummy carrot cake vegan gluten-free cupcake from turf that I really enjoy and I actually last year for my birthday I had my girlfriends get me like the cake version I love carrot cake and they've nailed it so I know it's not amazing like, that is perfect exciting. we'll make sure the link for turf is in the show notes so if you're listening to this not in Vancouver turf is a must go must see must eat kind of place and uh I love that it's a snack. I'm going to close my eyes to answer the question that your sourdough, I thought you might have said avo on toast on your sourdough because that sourdough is some kind of magic. That is no joke. You're, yeah, actually my, uh, the bread I make is one of my oh, world, especially when it's out of the oven and you've got warm. like butter. Yeah, that's, that's, oh, yeah. Okay, we're mad. now. So <laughs> great. Um, I want to know the last place you went in nature. You spoke about being out in nature and we, we both have dogs that we love probably sometimes more than ourselves. Um, so the last place you were in nature with your pup that left a dent on your heart. Oh, um, well, I go in Pacific spirit part with him a lot. So I love that. And it's beautiful right now with the fall leaves, mm -hmm. but I went up to a place that I never heard of called white Lake. Um, uh, yeah, about a month ago, I never heard of a little cute lake up there. And it was just a really pretty path. And that was like, yeah, I just loved it. It was a great little mini hike. Yeah, magic. Okay, I'm not going to include the link because as soon as you start doing that, everyone goes to the cute lake in the forest. But <laughs> yeah. you can find White Lake. If you can find White Lake on a mountain that we will not disclose, then know that it's pretty. And it might be pretty right now in the middle of fall. Oh, bless. Well, I love riffing with you and I love all the different places and spaces that we can go. I appreciate your energy and your contribution and how I always feel so truly nourished by conversing with you. And it's such a delight. So we wrap every podcast, not with rapid fire, but with one final question. And that is my sweet friend, what is making your heart beat faster? Oh, what is making my heart beat faster? <laughs> um why did why did I suddenly get all nervous 
I think you just got giggly and the image I have in my mind is watching Rick Rubin and your dad dance together. And I'm like, yes, you would be sitting there giggling at those two men. Uh, uh, you know, I think what makes my heart beat faster, you know, immediately my mind kind of went to like a relationship or dating and that kind of thing. But when I really think of it, like just excitement and it's, yeah, helping people and gathering people in community and giving them ex an experience where they feel like they've really had their cup filled. Mm. Yeah. It's so beautiful. And I guess the place to land this podcast on is how are you filling to our listeners? How are you filling other people's cup? And I think we really, it's so easy to navigate the world and say like, I need to fill my own cup and fill my own cup. And it's so beautiful when I, I'd like to think it's like a next level of ascension. It's the next level of like enlightenment when we walk around to say, how can I fill your cup? And I just see you with like this beautiful crap of tea walking around to say, can I fill your cup? How do I fill your cup? And um, maybe that is the takeaway for our friends that are listening to say, go fill someone else's cup and then sign up for Kundo at 6am with Marika and your cup will be full as well. I promise. <laughs> oh, wow. uh, thank you so much. I appreciate every minute and I appreciate every bite of sourdough and I will leave it there. Oh, thanks love. And you know what makes my heart beat faster? The fact that I get to share with you that this podcast is brought to you in partnership with More Good Media. Our friends over at More Good Media are spreading the good word, one conversation, one podcast at a time. So thanks so much for your support. We are so glad to be here in partnership. Okay, before you go, you know, listening to podcasts on this thing called the internet, it's a wild ride. And what would be so helpful on our wild journey is if you would be so kind to jump on and give us a review. Four, maybe even five stars. It really helps. Thanks for joining us.